Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. I'm Jesse Thorne. It's Bullseye. My next guests are a dynamite songwriting duo, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. Together, they've written some of the catchiest movie songs of the last 10 years. Like, for example, you have probably seen Frozen, right? And even if you haven't, you probably know this song. Let it go, let it go. Can't hold it back anymore. Let it go. Or do you remember Remember Me from Coco? Remember me. To say goodbye, remember me. They wrote that too. They also wrote the music for Frozen 2, which is just out on home video. Robert has also written music for the Book of Mormon, Avenue Q, Scrubs, and more. He is one of only 12 people to have won an Emmy, Grammy, Oscar, and Tony Award. Yes, he is an EGOT. When I talked with them in 2018, it was just after Coco had come out. If you haven't seen Coco yet, you first of all should. It's great. The story revolves around Miguel, a young boy who's living in a small town in Mexico. He's an aspiring musician, even though his family has, for quite some time, banned music entirely. And on the Day of the Dead, when families all over the country remember their lost loved ones, everything comes to a boiling point. He runs away from home and, by a stroke of magic, meets his ancestors in the land of the dead. It's a fantastic premise told with rich, striking colors. Is it... A kid's movie about death? Yes, kind of. Uh, But it's also about the legacies that we leave behind and the ways that families change. Remember Me, the song that Kristen and Robert wrote, drives that point home. Let's listen to it right now. This is a version from the movie, a duet between two characters. Remember me, though I have to say goodbye. Remember me. Don't let it make you cry For even if I'm far away I hold you in my heart I sing a secret song to you Each night we are apart Remember me Though I have to travel far Remember me Each time you hear a sad guitar Know that I'm with you the only way that I can be Until you're in my arms again Remember me Kristen Anderson Lopez and Bobby Lopez, welcome to Bullseye. I'm so happy to have you on the show or uh, back on the show as well. Thank you so much for having us. We were so excited when we saw this on our itinerary. (laughs) (laughs) I am worried for you because you guys have a show opening on Broadway, which is 3,000 miles from where we're sitting right now (laughs) in like two and a half weeks. Uh Uh-huh. Is this, are you like frantically rewriting songs right now or are you locked in? Um... 
Uh, well, let's see. In the car on the way here, we were um, mixing or like working on the final mix for the tracks that we're releasing on Frozen Fridays starting February 23rd. Um, we we may have rewritten some of the opening number the night before we <laughs> flew out here for the Oscar luncheon. Um, we may... Uh, yeah, there's just no telling whether yeah, we did yeah. or not. <laughs> there's a lot. It's a lot. There's a lot. I mean, you have been at this level of intensity and efficiency now for something like five or seven years. Like, I don't think I've ever, I don't think I've ever corresponded with you, which I do once or twice a year, uh, without you being in crunch time to deliver a giant Sorry. project. Yeah, see, that's that's a sad, sad truth what do your children think of and the two of you are married and have children uh what do what do your children think of your lives when mom and dad are in crunch time getting a musical on stage well this one is different than any other um because we have never actually had to both birth a broadway musical which is basically like taking med school boards for five to seven weeks. Um, so this one, we, we've armored up. We've prepared them. Since October, we've been talking about February and March, like winter is coming. Um, <laughs> and, and we have my sister and her writing partner coming to live at our house starting February 15th. So if we need to see a preview and then spend all night writing the show and then spend the whole next day putting it in... Um, I mean, rewriting the show and spend the whole next day putting in the rewrite. Um, we can. You need to have that flexibility. Um, do you have anything to add to that? Because I'm talking a lot. Well, it, it's funny because, um, you know, they've never they've always been mildly annoyed at our trips to go to awards shows and stuff like that. Um, and this time we they've been incredibly supportive. And I think it has something to do with the fact that we're bringing them as our dates uh, to the Oscars. <laughs> they were like, when are nominations announced? Yeah, actually, <laughs> they we were against? clocking it. They were like, nominations seven days from now. Um, and we actually did just go buy their dresses on Saturday afternoon at Saks Fifth Avenue. Um, and they're very excited. They're, they have skin in the game on this Oscars. But we've been preparing them for, um, you know, that's just going to be a wonderful time for us to, in the middle of previews for Frozen, to just leave New York and just be together. And yes, we do have to walk a red carpet and wear some fancy clothes, but it will be 24 hours of quality time. Of quality time. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a very ambitious way to look at this trip. <laughs> it sounds like it will be 24 hours of trying to get children and their luggage onto airplanes and that kind of thing. Oh, they're good. They're very good travelers, I have to say. They they know they know the rolling bag. They they're really good with that. The flight attendants always give us compliments on them. They like to sit together and be really really polite and then the flight attendants give them free stuff. Um, they have worked it out where if we are if we are model children and we pretend like we really love each other and we're very polite <laughs> that we will get so much sugar from those flight attendants. Um, it's it's a system. Kristen, I get the impression that you fell in love with Bobby like when you laid eyes on him. Yeah, maybe you heard the story. I did. I totally did. She did. I he walked in the door. 
and I I was just out of like a six year relationship, um, and and definitely having that moment of like what what's next for me? And he walked in. And I was like, that's my husband. He's I hope he's not too young. I hope he's not gay. Um, because I was coming into play because he was coming songs. in to play a song and <laughs> play a female puppet. Because um, it was he was presenting the first two songs he had written for Avenue Q, but there was just this very electrical thing. Um, and uh, it turns out she was right. Uh, he, yes, turns out he was my husband. He's not gay, and uh, he's a little younger. I know about the incredible power of uh, having graduated from an arts high school where I did theater and met my wife. I know how much juice it carries to be heterosexual in that yes. environment. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thrill. It's like something I, I'm. I would never ask for another partner. Uh, I'm thrilled to be married. Once in a while, I do think, remember how fun it was when you were the only straight guy around? <laughs> <laughs> well, in the case of the BMI workshop, that that was the one place where it was opposite because it was a writing workshop. So, you know, if girls are socialized, if they love theater and everybody, all their parents and everyone around them says, you're an actress. Um, that's why you have so many girls it, doing the plays and only like two guys, the two straight guys who, who get it all. Um, BMI was the opposite. It was a bunch of, of straight bunch of dudes, men yeah. who can't really express themselves. So they've chosen to, to express it through music and rhyme and rhythm. Um, and like, Two girls. It was the one time that I ever felt like the hot girl was at the BMI <laughs> workshop for that year. Uh, we got to change that, honey. <laughs> well, it's, it's all about picking your context. I'm trying to think where else I could go to be the hot girl. Um. <laughs> I mean, the Oscars, right? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, uh, it, Margot Robbie like walked by and you at the Oscar luncheon yesterday and it just there's no made, one more beautiful at the Oscar luncheon than you oh you're so sweet but Margot Robbie was <laughs> she's like not a real person my friend Kumail Nanjiani is very beautiful he, yeah oh yeah yeah that guy and they're they're another married couple that are both nominated um they, are you guys going to go on like an Oscar double we, we should do that. We we were the only two people who, like, we were each other's dates. And when you get called up, you go on this platform, just like middle school graduation. Um, and we were the only two collaborators that got to stand next to each other because we were married and sitting next to each other. Do you feel, Bobby, when you are writing or performing musical theater, like you can sit comfortably in the kind of, uh, I think the word I'm looking for is shamelessness that the medium requires. <laughs> um, I think it, I think there's a lot, a lot of joy for, for me. And I think for Kristen too, in um, inhabiting a more dramatic part of yourself and imagining what, what a character in a, in a, a highly charged situation would be feeling Um and we also, you know, we grew up loving this stuff, you know, we grew up wearing out these cast albums on, you know, Walkmans, on tapes and uh, on record players. And, and, you know, I think once that, that, that is, that is the, the greatest hits of our brain. And we wanted to, we wanted to be like them. What about you, 
Kristen, are you oh, naturally shameless? I'm hopelessly shameless. <laughs> I, I've been shameless. There's, uh, in terms of the embracing the the large, vibrant, stylized world of musical theater. I mean, I just said that with very large gestures of my hands. Um, I I also think. I think that we have a little too much shame um, about expressing our emotions in in the current climate right now. I think we'd all be a lot healthier if when when we um, needed to express something, we were able to say like, Peron, Peron, or, uh, <laughs> or, you know, the sun will come out tomorrow. Like, I just... These are human emotions taken to an extreme, and I think extremes are good because that is what being alive is. Well, I think it seems appropriate that we should listen now to one of your most iconic songs, which is (laughs) Let It Go from Frozen, which is basically about that. The snow glows white on the mountain tonight, not a footprint to be seen. A kingdom of isolation And it looks like I'm the queen The wind is howling like this swirling storm inside Couldn't keep it in, heaven knows I tried Don't let them in, don't let them see Be the good girl you always have to be Conceal, don't feel, don't let them know Well, now they know Let it go, let it go So something I like about that is I heard that uh, Bobby, you actually came up with a, a kingdom of isolation and I'm its queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a drag queenish line, isn't it? <laughs> um, Bobby, Bobby has big emotions. Um, for this mild mannered guy, he actually, I, I do think every once in a while, um, I I turn to him and I'm like, okay, Elsa, um, Bobby, <laughs> <laughs> Bobby definitely um, has has this like part of him that that needs to stay perfect and and small, and then it's something will just happen and this huge huge heart uh, just sort of bursts out of him, and so I think that's where those early lines in the song come from. Can you give me an example of that in your life? Okay, here's a great example. The first time um, that we had to take my daughter to get her first shots, the newborn, our first daughter, um, we went to the doctor and um, the doctor was like, okay, we're going to do it now. And, and, And I held the baby and they gave the baby the shot and you know she sort of went and Bobby just started sobbing absolutely like body shaking sobbing um and uh and that's just sort of who he is like things will hit him and it'll just be a sudden wave of emotion whereas I'm very Lutheran and uh, Scandinavian, and it takes I know a lot more than a shot to takes, do that. I, I have to, you know, it takes a lot to take me out of the needle, uh, the safety of the needle, to, to to make it go past the line, and that's always shocking too. But it's only happened like three times in my life. I definitely like trying to white knuckle that needle. 
I'm like, you're not going anywhere, Needle. No. We're staying moderately upbeat. Yes, yes. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. I'm very resilient. I'm very resilient. It seems like that song was part of the catalyst for transforming Frozen from a traditional fairy tale into, in some ways, kind of a deconstruction of the kind of fairy tale that Disney movies had been, especially for, you know, princess-driven, female-driven Disney stories. That there was something about, oh, maybe this character who was just going to be an evil, an evil queen type is actually a different thing. I, I presume that when you're writing a song from a character's perspective, there's no way to do it without empathizing with that character. But it seems like in writing that villain song, you know, in writing uh, I'm the bad guy song, or in this case, the bad woman, uh, you found points of empathy that were so deep that you, and so relatable to you, maybe you personally, Kristen, that like you couldn't simply let this be a villain. Absolutely. I think once once I started, I was taking, we were taking a walk in Prospect Park and just talking about how do we deepen this song. And we started talking about the pressures that we feel. Um, and I, I, I started unleashing it as a wife does uh, on my husband, you know, all the pressure I was feeling at the time with small kids to be an incredible mom and cook the good food and be around, but also have a career and also be thin and also have a nice house. And just, I started realizing, oh my God, I am trying to be perfect in so many ways. No wonder I'm exhausted and dying to drink white wine at 3 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Um, And and I tapped into that part of myself because what woman doesn't feel the need, like she has to be perfect because the movies are telling us that we have to be. What was it like for you to hear that in Bobby in such a concrete? I mean, that's a those are themes that that we hear uh, as as dad types, <laughs> but uh, it I feel like it's really powerful to hear it from someone that you're in love with so explicitly. You know, I have to admit that that the movie itself. Um, I mean, first of all, hearing it from from Kristen. You know, you you hear your wife say things like that a lot, and um, and you assume, well, she she has it tough, and I have it tough, um, and I think it was a process of making this film, and then seeing the film and seeing the response to it that that really um, changed the lens through which I look at these issues, and and uh, you know, I think made me a lot more of a feminist than I even was before. Um, just how hard it is um, to get past all of the baked in. Um, bias that that we all just have from being born, you know, from being born and being raised in 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 a culture, uh, and and it it being time for the culture to change, and and our the culture of our family certainly changed. Um, the our before Frozen, it felt like I was the the main writer and Kristen was helping, and and now it feels like an equal partnership. Um, it. I I realize how much she has to say, how much she has to say that no one has heard in a in a big mainstream way, and uh, you know I'm constantly in awe of how blind I was, um, you know, for so long 
Bobby's acting woke. <laughs> Which is good. It's good because... Uh, <laughs> that whole time I thought you were looking at him lovingly. You were just waiting. This is, this is, it's very hard to crack Kristen. She's not, she does not, she's not good at vulnerability. Uh, no, no. I, I, I do see a huge transformation. I'm not kidding. In, in my husband, um, over the last couple years, as he, as he really realized... He, he realized the lens. He was able to see the metal frame around the lens because Frozen was, um, you know, here he was representing this thing that was widening the lens a bit. And and he realized, oh, my gosh, there, there really is a lens. And, he, and, you know, when I say, when I notice that, oh, almost everything we do, we have to get through a committee of men. And then it has to get through critics, which are mostly men of a certain age. And, you know, it's just pointing it out. Like, look, it's the numbers. Look at the numbers. Look at the how many men are in this room and how and how many women are in this room. And he's just paying a little more attention to it. That's all changing. And that's a really exciting thing. Um, but we're at the beginning of a of a of a change. And it's exciting for me. More Bullseye after a quick break. Still to come, Bobby and Kristen tell me how to sneak grown-up jokes into kids' movies, like Frozen. It's harder than you'd think. It's Bullseye for MaximumFun.org and NPR. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Kohler Intelligent Toilets. With a range of smart features for pampering, relaxation, and cleanliness, Kohler Intelligent Toilets are designed to provide an elevated experience. Enjoy warm water cleansing, warm air drying, and heated seat control. Surround yourself with ambient lighting and automatic air freshening, because every moment with a Kohler Intelligent Toilet is designed to make you feel your cleanest and most comfortable. Kohler invites you to discover what you've been missing at Kohler.com slash Intelligent Toilets. Hi, I'm Anoush Zamarodi, and I am the new host of NPR's TED Radio Hour. I am so excited because we are working on a bunch of new, amazing episodes. We're exploring big ideas about reinvention, making amends, and the psychological effects of climate change. Our first show drops March 13th. Please join me. All right, Adam, uh, Maximum Fun wants us to record like a promo to tell people that they should listen to The Greatest Generation. You want to do that? No, I am tired of all the extra work. I just wanted to talk about Star Trek with my friend. I think it would be good to like try and get some new listeners by appealing to the audiences of other shows. Like this, this will only take a minute or two. It could be good for us. We sit down for an hour every week and talk about a Star Trek episode and make a bunch of idiotic fart jokes about it. It's embarrassing. If it got out that we made this show, I think it would make us unemployable. Adam, I have bad news for you. We have tens of thousands of listeners at MaximumFun.org. Oh my God. I think I'm going to throw up. The Greatest Generation, a Star Trek podcast by a couple of guys who are a little bit embarrassed to have a Star Trek podcast. Every Monday on MaximumFun.org. I'm really going to be sick. Welcome back to Bullseye. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are the Academy Award-winning songwriters Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez. They talked to me in 2018. They wrote Let It Go from Disney's Frozen, Remember Me from Coco, and Into the Unknown from Frozen 2, which is available to watch at home. Now, I want to play a song that the two of you wrote together, but I'd like you to tell me a little bit about it first. 
Um, it's called Wide Wide World. <laughs> <laughs> it's our first song. How'd you find that together? Uh, it's from a smash hit show called Bear in the Big Blue House. <laughs> oh no! On Playhouse Disney. <laughs> oh wow! Wow, you dug deep, Jesse Thorne. I'm a professional man. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I got this assignment um, because I was uh, in with the the music supervisor of the show long ago when we were in the BMI workshop. And Chris and I hadn't worked together at all. We were dating. We had just really started dating. And um, and I tried a couple of takes on this song. My uh, my other collaborator, my main collaborator at the time, kind of begged out. And he was like, I, I, you, you take this one. And then um, I kind of got stuck because I was used to writing with someone by then. And um, and I said, Kristen, why don't, you, why don't you come over? And the guy doesn't know you're writing it with me, but let's just write it. And then we'll, then if he says he likes it, then we'll tell him that that you worked on it too and and then we can split the money um and i think we had to write five different versions of this song i remember they sent us back and back and back and it was mostly about these two otters that loved clams and everything <laughs> that they said had to be about had clams. to be about clams um yes the, the clam jokes because we did like three more songs for bear in the big blue house and there's just not much you can say about clams, but we've said it been all. Said, well, particularly for children. <laughs> yes. uh, let's take a listen to the smash hit song Wide Wide World from Bear in the Big Blue House by my guests Kristen Anderson Lopez and Bobby Lopez. I think that it sounds great. The wide open road, the wind in your fur, the whole world to explore. The wide, wide world, it's open and free. The road, the wind, the sun and the sea. I hear adventure calling to me out there in the wide, wide world. The wide, wide world, I'm hearing the call. But the road seems so long and trees seem so tall. Those are the voices you dream of singing. <laughs> Just spectacular. <laughs> <laughs> um, but did you see the the dueling um, philosophies at yeah. work there? Yeah. Um, that that was just a prototypical dueling philosophy song that we tend to we tend to really try to avoid from now. <laughs> <laughs> Bobby, you co-wrote two huge smash musicals. Um, and both of them, Avenue Q and the Book of Mormon, were partly uh, very sincere emotional journeys and partly kind of parodic and uh, satirical. And I wonder if you ever worried that you were good enough to write a parody song, um, but were you good enough to write a quote-unquote real song? That's, I never worried about that because I only worried oh, if I Can was... you start worrying about that? <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I, I, I'll add it to the, my worry list. Now that you got the EGOT, I just want to take you down a few pegs. <laughs> I, you know, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't get into songwriting to be funny. I never thought that that's where I would go. It was always one thing I wanted to do, to make a musical where you laugh from beginning to end that drew from great spoof uh, material like Airplane or Spinal Tap or one of those great, you know, the Simpsons uh, musicals that 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 show up in the episodes. Let's hear a song from the Book of Mormon, which one of my guests, Bobby Lopez, co-wrote. Uh, this is the opening number. It's called Hello. Hello, 
My name is Elder Price, and I would like to share with you the most amazing book. Hello, my name is Elder Grant. It's a book about America a long, long time ago. It has so many awesome parts. You simply won't believe how much this book can change your life. Hello, my name is Elder Green. I would like to share with you this book of Jesus Christ. Hello, my name is Elder Young. Did you know that Jesus lived here in the USA? I think one of the cool things about the Book of Mormon is, you know, it has much of the the tone that the South Park guys have spent the last 20-some years working on, um, which is to say that, it, you know, it's, it's pretty no-holds-barred, particularly for a Broadway musical, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But I think the subject matter and the medium both lend themselves to a kind of generous open-heartedness that you don't get from uh, Airplane or um, any of the, you know, Spinal Tap or those other 10,000 jokes spoof things. Like the fact that these are young Mormon missionaries are the subjects of this, which is like the most emotionally vulnerable person in the world. <laughs> it's a person who's, as in that opening number, just like showing up at someone's door because they believe in God. As well-meaning as possible. Yeah. Which is like a really beautiful and amazing thing, you know? Oh, yeah. And so you can make an infinite, I mean, there's a wonderful song in the show called I Believe, which is like an inspirational tune about, uh, about, believing in about having faith but also the weird specifics of mormon theology and i don't mean to single out mormon theology all theology sounds weird if you don't believe in it that's that's, right, the, that's point. the point <laughs> yeah. Mormon, right? yeah it's it's all it all sounds crazy but it's so important yeah. like how do we get through the the big highs and the big lows if you don't if you don't believe in believe something in impossible something, yeah. Yeah, and I don't think the whole thing works without that emotional generosity. Oh to yeah, those characters. they say that parody closes on uh, closes on Friday night uh, on Broadway. You know, you need you need to have an emotional uh, through line of your show, otherwise people are like, huh, fun, and then they don't go home and recommend it. You need you need to feel something, and that that's what Broadway is all about. You guys wrote some great jokes into the into the Frozen songs. And I feel like you guys have, like, a lot of the jokes that are slipped into Frozen are sort of uh, uh, rhyme scheme feints and, like, little things that I would recognize from, like, friends who improvise musicals where, you know, you take a, you take a sort of a prosaic word and then you surprise them with a weird word that rhymes with it and that kind of thing. Yes. That's, that tends to be... Um what cracks us up. I don't know. We were just recalling Bobby, Bobby did um, a version of uh, mystery science theater and was just vamping to something on screen. And he wrote this little song about smelting. And yeah, yeah, there were iron like, workers we smelt, smelting. We smelt, we smelt, we <laughs> um, it, It's Language can be really goofy and it's fun to lean into that. Uh, do you uh, have a, a story about how, you got the joke, how can you have a ballroom without any uh, yeah, balls? Yeah, I was going to bring that one up. <laughs> Into a children's film? <laughs> I think it was... Um, Deeply you know, sincere you know, children's the, film? The original line was, we got the ballroom, just no balls, which I think is a better <laughs> d- dual meaning We have one. the ballroom, just no balls. Yeah. Um, 
That one did not get through. That, the, <laughs> that one we had we had to soften it a little, um, but somehow why well, have a ballroom with no balls? Uh, didn't, it didn't move the needle. They were kind of like, yeah, that's great. That's a good line. They they've had this ballroom and no balls. Yeah, one for of the things we years. had to cut from that was, I hope that I don't vomit in his face. <laughs> um, they they were like, you can't say vomit. You just can't say vomit. It makes people vomit. Yeah, there was a, there was a uh, a girl in the story room who we, you could tell every time we mentioned it or talked about it she just got sicker and sicker (laughs) (laughs) she was turning green at the end of the song and um and so we were we were kind of we were like come on come on that's it's funny and then um our daughter came up with the alt line well we were at the dentist um when when they were like no it can't go through and so i was trying to write it and she was like mommy what are you doing and i was like oh i have to rewrite i hope that i don't vomit in his face and then she went i want to stuff some chocolate in my face (laughs) so she actually wrote that line ironically at the dentist who was probably saying don't Don't, eat chocolate (laughs) it's good to know that the line is somewhere in between vomit and uh, am i nervous or just gassy which is in the film (laughs) don't know if i'm elated or gassy is um certainly like when we talk about writing from a very personal place (laughs) (laughs) yes the root chakra How did um, the song that you wrote for Coco, which is called Remember Me, come to you? Like, what was the what was the RFP, the request for proposals? Like, what was the remit? <laughs> what was the what was the thing they needed? Um, Lee Unkrich, uh, we he had seen Finding Nemo because he was a co-director on it, and I think he had always said that he wanted to do a piece where the music was the emotional turning point. Um, And so very, very early on, he reached out to us and we were working on, uh, he knew he wanted to do something about memory and death and music and and Dia de Muertos. Um, And he asked us, can you write a song that can mean two completely different things depending on the singer and the arrangement? And, And we kind of said, you know, I hope so. Yeah, it's, it sounded like an amazing challenge because how can how can a song you know be be one thing and another at the same time? And we thought maybe maybe we need when he goes to the land of the dead, he has to discover a missing part of it. But then we realized no, it'll be a lot cooler if we could write one song with the same chord progression, the same tune, the same lyrics. Um, uh, that means that means one you know completely shallow thing and can be completely deep and emotional at uh, the turning point of the movie. So, um, and I, we, I remember sort of almost tearing up when Lee was describing what he wanted. Um, and I, we were kind of really hungry to write this song, especially because, you know, as, as we've said, we have two girls that our lives really center around and we have to leave them so much to come out here. Um, and we're constantly, you know, writing little songs to them and, and for them. And then luckily we we were able to turn it into a mariachi version that uh, that worked really that was rousingly. more like you know good night ladies remember me <laughs> <laughs> remember me though I have to say goodbye remember me don't let it make you cry Kristen Anderson Lopez and Bobby Lopez from 2018 Hollywood's premier songwriting power couple. If you haven't seen Coco, I recommend it no matter what your age is. They also wrote the music for the Broadway version of Frozen, which is still playing on The Great White Way. 
And I'm going to tell you this. My favorite song from Frozen 2 is When I Am Older by Olaf the Snowman. I stand a legend. That's the end of another episode of Bullseye. Bullseye is produced at MaximumFun.org World Headquarters, overlooking MacArthur Park in beautiful Los Angeles, California, where firefighters came and shot their hoses into the lake uh, from their big, tall ladders. I guess MacArthur Park is the ideal venue for big, tall ladder hose spraying exercise. The show is produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our producer is Kevin Ferguson. Jesus Ambrosio is our associate producer. We get help from Casey O'Brien. Our production fellow is Jordan Cowling. Our interstitial music is by Dan Wally, also known as DJW. Our theme song is by The Go Team. Thanks to them and their label Memphis Industries for letting us use it. And one last thing. We have done many, many, many interviews in the show's nearly two decades. If you love the movie Coco, check out our conversation with Lee Unkrich, the director of the film. We're also on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Just search for Bullseye with Jesse Thorne. You can keep up with the show there. And I think that's about it. Just remember, all great radio hosts have a signature sign-off. Bullseye with Jesse Thorne is a production of MaximumFun.org and is distributed by NPR. 